Uh, hey, before we get in to what we want to do this morning, let's, uh, let's pray. Let everybody get seated here. Hey, Joel. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, we just want to thank you for um, this beautiful morning in, in Colorado. We thank you for allowing us to live here in this beautiful place. And, and uh, Father, we just feel blessed by you uh, this morning in so many different ways. And Father, just for the privilege of uh, being here together as a church family and, and uh, looking at your word and learning from it. Father, I, I just thank you for the way you reveal yourself to us through your word. And Father, we're so thankful for uh, for this book that we're going to be studying over the next few weeks, the book of Romans. And I thank you so much for Paul uh, and his life, uh, his passion. Uh, his passion is clearly evident uh, in this book. And we're thankful for his desire, Father, to... Uh, uh, to visit Rome, to go to the very heart of the Roman Empire and proclaim the gospel there. And Father, he, I know he, um, his life tried to exemplify Christ, and I pray that we might uh, follow in Paul's footsteps as he followed in the footsteps of Jesus. And uh, Father, we can learn a great deal uh, from this book. It, it provides so many things uh, to our lives personally and so we're just thankful for it. Uh, we're just thankful that we can come together and and uh, we can talk about it. We can learn from it and apply it to our lives. So we thank you so much for Jesus, uh, who is the heart of Paul's gospel. And uh, we thank you for all that you've shown us in that. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, it's good to have everybody here this morning uh, again. Uh, I've got an outline uh, of this study. It's going to be an 11-week study. I, I've got some of them on the back on the counter over here. If you'd like to grab one, I'd, I'd like to challenge you to study with me uh, in Romans. Uh, I've been swimming in the depths of this book for a while now, uh, ever since I kind of got my commission to teach this class a, a number of weeks ago, but uh, but I'm looking forward to jumping into this with you. And uh, so I want to challenge you to study with me every every week. Uh, I'm going to send out quiz, uh, questions early in the week. Hopefully there are some questions that will help you, uh, give you some time to think and uh, to meditate about what you're reading. Uh, you know, we'll be covering a chapter or two every week, so it'll be easy for you to read, uh, to study and to think about and maybe address some of the questions uh, that I'll be sending out early in the week. So I want to challenge you to do that. Uh, you know, one of the greatest blessings in my life when I have an opportunity to teach is the study that goes with it. You know, I'm, I'm motivated to study regretfully more when I'm teaching than maybe I am at other times, but I feel like I'm always drawn closer to God when I really dig into His Word. And we all know that, uh, you know, His Word is alive. It's powerful. There's always something there uh, for us if we're willing to, to spend the time, invest the time in that. So, you know, I want to challenge you that in that regard. This is going to tie nicely with a series that Jeff's going to be beginning in two weeks, three weeks? Next week, okay. Uh, he's going to be looking at Romans 8, and of course I'm really looking forward to that. He's going to get, spend some quality time in Romans 8. 
We'll be spending one week uh, on Romans 8 when we get there, but uh, boy, <laughs> Romans, thinking about Romans 8 almost makes me emotional uh, to think about that chapter in, in the book of Romans. Um, uh, you know, the other, the other thing I want to challenge you related to Jeff's series is he's challenged us to re- memorize Romans 8. I would really like to see us do that. I think we get two benefits. We get a physical benefit and we get a spiritual benefit. And you might say, what physical benefit do we get out of it? Our minds, our brains get a benefit out of it. Because memorizing Scripture, especially those of us who are getting a little older, it's good exercise to work our brains and, and to, to memorize anything. But to memorize Scripture is especially powerful. And, of course, we get the spiritual benefit uh, of just... You know, I, I'm, I'm beginning this exercise. I began it this week, but I mean, just going over those words over and over and being able to say them and to think them all the time, boy, uh, the spiritual benefit, you can't, you can't say enough about that. So I challenge you in that regard to spend the time, uh, take, take a verse a day. I don't know what it's going to take you to do that, to memorize Romans 8, uh, but uh, I, I think it'll be worth the effort. Uh, worth the time you spend doing that. You'll be greatly benefited. Uh, You know, I just wanted to say something about what this book means to me personally. Um, I have several favorite books of the Bible in in 2 Corinthians that uh, Jeff just preached on is one of those, but I think Romans is really special to me because Romans is kind of my go-to book uh, chapter 8, in particular, other chapters in Romans. But, uh, you know, when you're going through the deep struggles of life, and when you're going through the valleys, uh, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to have a place where you can go and find God and His Word. And Romans has been that for me. Uh, you know, I'm getting older. I know you guys haven't noticed that in my life that I am getting older, but uh, I, uh, I've seen some things in my life. Uh, I've experienced some things in my life. And Romans has carried me through those times because I found comfort there. Uh, I found inspiration. I found hope. I found strength in, in the words of Paul. Uh, so uh, it's a very personal, it's a very personal book to me, and um, and I think that's the reason Paul wrote it. So here I am, two thousand years later, and it can provide inspiration and comfort to me and to you. And uh, so, uh, so I'm emotionally tied. <laughs> it's easy. It was easy for me to get back into Romans, and uh, so I thank God for that. And and just the way he's blessed me in that regard. Um, you know, I, uh, one thing that's very clear when you get into the study of Roman, Romans is, is just Paul's passion. Uh, Paul was always passionate about everything. Uh, he was passionate when he was persecuting the church. Uh, he was unrelenting in that passion. And of course, I think God clearly saw that that uh, quality in his life. And of course, 
God brought his passion to the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I think Paul is, is consumed by that passion all the time. And I think it, it just clearly, it really clearly comes out uh, in this book. So be watching for that. Uh, and uh, just try to catch on to his coattails a little bit. And let him bring you, uh, bring you to the, the footstep, the foot of the cross, and, and uh, just his proclamation of the gospel. He's, he, wants, he wants to bring it to everyone. That's why he wants to go to Rome. He wants to bring the gospel to everyone. And uh, uh, so anyway, we're gonna we're gonna be doing this. Uh, we're doing the letter to the Romans, and uh, get this thing moved. Uh, I've called this class God's Gift of Righteousness, and we're going to be talking a lot about that. Uh, it primarily uh, comes from Romans 1, uh, verse 17. But uh, we're going to be talking about God's gift of righteousness and why His, His righteousness is a gift to us. Uh, so we're going to be looking at that. As, as we get into this, I wanted to give just a little bit of background uh, to give us a little context, uh, time of writing and all those kind of things. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because that's not really my deal, but I think it's good for us to have some context on what's going on. Of course, of course, he was writing to the Christians living in Rome. We see that uh, in chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, God is talking about, uh, or Paul is talking about uh, the saints in Rome, uh, his holy people in Rome. So we know he's writing to the Christians in Rome. Uh, chapter 16 suggests that there are at least five house churches uh, in the city of Rome. If you look at chapter 16, uh, Paul uh, mentions at least five house churches uh, in the city of Rome. We know the church was predominantly Gentile, uh, but uh, the Jews must have uh, constituted a substantial majority, or uh, not a majority, but a minority of the church. And... uh, you know, by reference to uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and then chapters 9 through 11, where Paul talks about his burden uh, for his Jewish brothers. We're going to look at chapter 9 through 11 later on and have some interesting things, hopefully, to share about that. But uh, because of the Gentile, because of the makeup of the church there, uh, Gentile and Jews, there was a little bit of, you know, I think there was a little bit of friction uh, in the church because of that. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit, too. Most scholars would say that Paul wrote Romans uh, in A.D. 57 from Corinth. I think that's kind of obvious from uh, some of his other books and from the book of Acts. Uh, this would be three years after the 16-year-old Nero uh, has ascended to the throne as emperor of Rome. The political situation for Roman Christians had not yet deteriorated as Nero wouldn't yet begin his persecution of them until after the great Roman fire of A.D. 64. Therefore, Paul wrote to a church that was experiencing a time of relative peace. Of course, that didn't last very long. Possible purposes for the letter. Of course, uh, he wanted to prepare the church, uh, the church in Rome, for his coming visit. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the things I thought about is, you know, he, he hadn't, had never met these people. And uh, what would he want to communicate to them? And... Uh, I think what comes out inspired by the Spirit is, is just really an incredible thing. And uh, 
Of course, he wanted to present the basic system of salvation to a church that hadn't received the teaching uh, of an apostle before. And uh, so he had a lot to share with them. And I think he wanted to explain the relationship between Jew and Gentile and God's overall plan of redemption and to address the evident tension in the church between the Jewish and Gentile Christians. Uh, we see that in 14, uh, chapter 14 when he's talking about the weaker brother and uh, uh, being judgmental, uh, and we'll talk about that some uh, later on. Special characteristics. Uh, the most systematic of Paul's letters, uh, it reads more like a theological essay than a letter. And uh, don't let, you know, the, that thing, theological essay, throws you off a little bit. And you say, I don't know if I like the sound of a theological essay or not. But uh, this is a beautiful theological essay. Uh, just the spirit-driven words. And, uh, of course, in this essay, in this writing, in this letter, call, Paul is, uh, is providing the basis for our justification, our sanctification, and our eternal security. And he just does that in a beautiful way. So it's, it's very systematic. Paul's very systematic in his approach. Uh, the emphasis on Christian doctrine. Uh, he goes right to the heart uh, of Christian doctrine and the gospel. I think he's, he feels like that's important to communicate to the Roman Christians uh, to put them on sound footing. And uh, so he, he's communicating that throughout the book. And he also, the use of uh, widespread use of Old Testament quotations, especially in chapter 9 through 11. And I think Paul demonstrates his deep concern for Israel. Uh, Paul shows that Israel has a place in God's redemptive plan. Uh, he states that now she consists of only a remnant, allowing for the conversion of the Gentiles. But the time will come when all Israel will be saved. Uh, reference Romans 11.26 and Isaiah 45.17. So we'll be talking about that some more later. Hey, I want to get into the text. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Romans 1 uh, through verse 17 today. So I will have it up here. Uh, you know, I think I used the NIV uh, for this, but I'm probably going to be more consistently looking at the ESV uh, for our study. Uh, so whatever you prefer is fine. I think this is the NIV uh, this morning. But So, you know, Paul begins with an introduction uh, of himself. And uh, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Uh, you know, I think the words he uses uh, to describe himself are important. And uh, one of my questions that I asked that I gave you uh, this last week was, why did Paul use uh, the words he used to describe himself? Of course, when he talks about being a servant of Christ Jesus, uh, I think he's trying to identify himself with the people that he's writing to. Uh, Paul was just saying, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian, uh, just like you. The word servant there is probably more uh, accurately translated slave. Paul says, I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. I'm a servant. I'm just like you. Uh, so he tries to identify with them first uh, at the most basic level, and that's, that's a follower and believer in Christ. Uh, Karen, my, I'm dry. Looking for my Pepsi, but I don't see it. 
Oh, okay. Thank you, Haley. I'm talking too much. I'm dry. Mmm, that's good. <laughs> it's good stuff. And then, then he goes on uh, to talk about his special calling and, and why this should be important uh, to them. Uh, he's basically saying, hey, I've got a message for you. This message is from God. You need to listen to it. And for the same reason, I think we need to listen to it today. Uh, we need to pay attention to it because Paul did have a special calling uh, to, be a po- to be an apostle from Jesus. And he was set apart for the message that he was proclaiming. Uh, he says, and, and he was set apart for the gospel of God. Uh, and he's just making the point, hey, the gospel is from God. It's, it's God's message. Uh, I proclaim it. I've been blessed with the proclamation of the gospel. But uh, this gospel is from God. And it's amazing. You, you see his passion right away here. You see how in verse 2, he's, he's already jumped in to what he wants to tell him about, the gospel. Uh, in the next few verses, he's, just, he's all about the gospel right away. Uh, he kind of diverts from his introduction a little bit. He comes back to it. But here he is in these next few verses, and he's just basically proclaiming the gospel and giving us uh, the foundation of the gospel in a couple of verses here. When he says the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets and the Holy Spirit regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see, Paul in those few verses has basically given us the gospel, hasn't he? Uh, he's talked about how uh, Jesus was the incarnate uh, Son of God, uh, descendant of David, descendant of Abraham, uh, and also that he was, he was God's Son. And, of course, he proclaims the resurrection, which is the cornerstone uh, of the gospel message. That's where the power in the gospel comes, the power of God demonstrated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he proclaims all those things right away. He, he gets it out, and he just it's almost like he can't contain himself uh, with this. But he comes back, uh, and of course the center uh, of his message is Jesus Christ. And he said uh, he, by the, he, uh, he was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, the center uh, of Paul's proclamation. Paul goes on to say, through him... We receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting that Paul right away talks about um, how he's received his uh, apostleship to call the Gentiles. But he, talk, he talks right away about obedience and how important that is. Uh, to the message and, and to uh, what we hear. It's, a, it's about obeying God. Paul said, uh, I'm calling you to obedience, an obedience that comes from faith. And uh, so we're going to be talking a lot about that over the next few weeks. Uh, in verse 7, he says, To all in Rome who are loved by God and to call to be his holy people. Uh, more, more commonly, holy peoples may be translated saints, which I prefer. Uh, called to be his saints, his holy people in Rome. Uh, by the way, a, an apostle has never visited Rome before. 
Paul is writing to people who have never heard the teaching of an apostle. How, how did the church get to Rome? Any, any thoughts or ideas about that? Rome is a long way from Jerusalem. Uh, Yeah, it was the hub, right? Yeah, yeah. People are going to gravitate towards the center, probably. Uh, do you remember uh, Acts chapter two? Yeah, Jason. Uh, possible, yeah, yeah. I was going to go all the way back to Acts chapter two. Uh, remember at Pentecost, uh, one of the peoples that were mentioned were visitors from Rome. Uh, so it may go all the way back to Pentecost. And uh, we don't know exactly, but uh, Seth's probably right. Rome was the center of the empire. Uh, people were going to naturally go there, and we know that the, the gospel was spreading rapidly. Uh, Paul wrote this in A.D. 57, so that was sometime after the resurrection. And uh, so it could have easily, the message could have easily gotten to Rome. Uh, so well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, right. May have been carried there for out of slavery or any number of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So many times I, I think that we feel like Paul was the only one that was out there doing missionary work. No. <laughs> no. He was one of the catalysts, but there was a lot going on in the in the kingdom. Uh, so yeah, there are a lot of people out there spreading the gospel. So, and then Paul says, "Grace and peace." To you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about grace and peace. I just kind of <laughs> settled on those two words when I was studying this. But uh, what a wonderful thing to, to offer to people, saying grace and peace uh, to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, think about the word grace. Think about the word peace. Those are wonderful words, aren't they? Uh, the grace that we've received in our lives, uh, and and the peace uh, later in, in uh, Romans, Paul's going to talk about the peace we have because we've been reconciled with God. Uh, grace and peace. I love peace. I love peace. I love grace. And what a wonderful thing uh, to say to somebody: grace and peace to you from from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul kind of gets back. Uh, he wants, uh, in verse uh, 8, he kind of wants to establish a connection. He wants to talk about why he wants to come to Rome. Um, what's been going on in his life, I think. He gives, us, uh, he gives the Romans a little bit of an idea of what he's been doing. Uh, and uh, let's, let's read that section uh, real quickly. Uh, he says, first, I thank my God. Let me... First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of His Son is my witness how constantly I remember you in prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, believers, 
but I plan many times to come to you. But I have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to the both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel, also to you who are in Rome. Uh, so he's, he's making a personal connection here. He's telling them why he wants to come. Uh, one of the questions I asked you was, what reasons did Paul come uh, give for wanting to visit Rome? Uh, one is that he says he wants to impart a spiritual gift to them to make them strong. Uh, he says, I want to be mutually encouraged by being together. He says, I've heard of your reputation. Uh, and I want, to, I want to see you. I want to be with you. Uh, what a wonderful thing, uh, Christian family. He, Paul knew he could find some, some, find some encouragement in Rome for what he was doing. And, uh, uh, you know, he's, I want to share the gospel with you. Uh, and he goes on to say, and one of the things he says, that he, I've been praying for you. Uh, I've heard of your reputation. I've been praying for you. Uh, and, I, and he says, I'm praying that at last I will be able to come and see you. Uh, and, uh, and and the last thing he says is, I, I'm coming to Rome to pro- proclaim the gospel to everyone. To everyone who will listen, I'm coming. And I don't care who they are, what they are. I'm, go- I'm coming to proclaim the gospel uh, to everyone in Rome. Um, and, you know, one of the interesting things uh, I think he says in this section is, uh, he's talking about how he's, he's prayed to come to Rome, but he says, I've, I've, I, he says, I have planned many times, <clears throat> excuse me, to come to you, <clears throat> but have been, excuse me, <clears throat> but have been prevented uh, from doing so until now, uh, in order that I might have a harvest among you. Um, you know, I, I, I think the point for us is that we have to wait for God's timing, don't we? Paul had to wait for God's timing on this. Uh, we know that he he uh, really wanted to visit Rome, uh, but through prayer, uh, guidance of the Holy Spirit, he waited on God's timing. And we know the journey. We know what it took for him to get to Rome, and for God to bring him to Rome. It was not an easy journey. Uh, and uh, but I I think it's important for us to understand that you know when we're laying things before God about what we want to do or not do, we need to wait on His timing. And I think I think Paul did that, and uh, he's just he's just saying that you know I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. At the point he wrote this letter, he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know the epic journey he was going to make to Rome. Uh, so he was just waiting on God. So I think I think that's important. And then in verse fourteen, he says, "I'm obligated both to the Jews, both to the Jews." Uh, and non, uh, both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel and to you who are in Rome. You know, in that verse, I, in those two verses, I think Paul's just saying, you know, I don't care who I talk to about this. I really don't. And you know what? I think maybe that should be our attitude too. Uh, we're, we have a tendency to be a little bit selective about who we want to share the gospel with, a little bit judgmental maybe about who we might want to share the gospel with. I don't think that mattered to Paul at all. Uh, 
he wanted to talk to anybody who would listen. And uh, so I, I think another, another strong message for us and, and how we feel about sharing, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's, we're going to go to the key verse here. Key verses. This is the heart of Romans. And these may be two of the most important verses in the Bible. Uh, one thing I'll, I'll mention about just the historical importance of, of Romans, uh, this book has been important throughout Christian history. We know that it inspired Luther, right, uh, and other reformers. Uh, and I think these two, these two verses are central uh, to our study. And, and, and they're basically where I get the idea that the gospel is a gift of God's righteousness. Uh, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why, why would he say that? I am not ashamed of the gospel. Was that an issue for anyone? Uh, we know that in 1 Corinthians one twenty three, uh, he says, uh, the gospel is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yeah. I was thinking that uh, it, uh, the gospel is a, a source of shame because yeah. from the standpoint that when we say or, or talk about anything that is, is not, uh, not acceptable to roll around us, we can be ashamed of that. Yeah. And we can be, uh, feel foolish. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing earlier this week about a, a ram or a, uh, excuse me, a um, raider's yeah. Yeah. They're countercultural right here. It's kind of like the gospel. It's countercultural. Yeah. 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 I think you. I think he felt like it was important uh, to say that. I, I really did. Jeff? This really relates to what he says about um, uh, Peter and Galatians. Mm-hmm. They, this is exactly what he accused Peter of not doing. Uh, you know, he said, man, you, yeah. you hang out with the Gentiles all day long as long right. as your Jewish friends aren't around. Right. But now you're ashamed. Mm-hmm. And the big context of Romans is this, um, and that's why it's so beautiful that he starts out grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm. Because these Gentiles have been largely rejected by the Jews. Yeah, and uh, he's he's going to come in and say grace and peace. I'm not ashamed to give you a hug. Yeah, right. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think yeah, John. Yeah. Right. Other philosophies and stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's important that he said that. And, and we need to remember what's central to the gospel is a cross. <laughs> that was foolishness. Total foolishness. And that was the message they were proclaiming that our Savior died on a cross, a Roman cross. Cindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I think you guys are right, right on that and what I was thinking about. And he says, because it is, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. He makes it clear, this is about God. <laughs> this is not about us at all. Uh, this message is from God. The power of salvation comes from God. It's miraculous. I believe salvation is miraculous. I really do. Yeah. Is that a shame tied at all to the, like not the first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles? So is it kind of shameful that the, you try to include the Gentiles too? Is that the part that's kind of shame? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, he's. Maybe not total, but like. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, you know, I, I think that we're, he's talking primarily to a Gentile audience. There are Jews uh, in his audience. But uh, uh, let's, let's talk, we'll talk about that in just a second, Corey. But, uh, yeah, he says it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Um, so he makes it clear uh, that this is about God. And then, then he says, Corey, first, first to the Jew, and then to the Gentile. Uh, some people might say, well, did the Jews have more prominence? Why did Paul say first to the Jew and then to the Gentile? I don't think it has anything to do with having favoritism towards a certain people or anything, but I, I think Paul was just making the point that uh, God gave Abraham uh, a covenant that he, he would, that he would bless the nations of the world through Abraham and his seed and I, I think Paul is just saying that. He's saying, uh, in fact, J- Jesus in John 4 said, salvation is from the Jews. And uh, Paul would proclaim in Romans 9 that theirs is the adoption as sons. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Jesus Christ. I, you know, I think that's all Paul is saying. First to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. And that's chronologically, that's how it worked, basically. Yeah, Jim. I think that's the big trick in, in Romans 8 is, is when you get to the part where he says, Those he called, he also justified. Those right. he also glorified. Right. We, when I grew up with the, those verses, I thought also meant he called them, then he justified them, then he glorified right. them. He also was connecting those words. Right. But I, now I believe also is saying, First to the Jew, but also. Right. And so that's that's the trick is it's instead of saying this is prominent, yeah. it's saying, Hey, you were first, but now also right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. So uh, going on down, uh, he says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. And this is this is the heart for me. Uh, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Um, I want to talk about God's righteousness for a minute and what this means to me. Um, we can't live outside of God's presence. He's the giver of life. And He is also righteous and holy. So we can't be in His presence. We cannot be in His presence. If we're not in His presence, we're dead. We're dead men walking. Uh, So in the Gospel, in the gift of Jesus, 
God has given us His righteousness. We haven't earned it. It's all by His power. It's not because we've done anything righteous. But God is imputing His righteousness to us. He's giving it to us. He said, because of what I have done, you can now stand in my presence. You can now live. I'm giving you my righteousness so you can have life. And I think that's what the righteousness, the gift of God's righteousness is all about. And what this book is all about. It's about God's righteousness and how he gives that righteousness to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, And I believe that's how the gospel, when Paul talks about the gospel, of, uh, he says the the gospel proclaims the righteousness of God. It reveals it. I think that's what that Paul is talking about because in the gospel, he is literally giving us his righteousness. Of course, we have to accept that gift, don't we? Any gift has to be accepted. That's what belief and faith are about. And that's why Paul talks about that right here. He said, you know, it's, it's going to be received, but you have to believe it. Uh, uh, it's about faith from first to last. Uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to, to reference about God's righteousness, you remember in 2 Corinthians 5.22, uh, Paul writes, uh, God, uh, see, uh, how'd it go? <laughs> I just lost it. Uh, uh, Jeff, 521, you got it? Romans 521? I mean, no, I'm talking about 2 Corinthians 521. Yeah, uh, God made him. Yeah, God, God, yeah, okay. God made him who had no righteousness uh, to be to become righteousness for us. And I think Paul, Paul uh, is basically saying it again in another way. Uh, God made him who had, uh, get, get, say, huh? had no sin. I, mean, I don't want to misquote this because this is really important. Go ahead. Somebody read it for me. Yeah. If you could. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. Of course, that, that beautifully ties uh, to what I think Paul's saying here. But, uh, uh but, you know, it's, a, it's about faith. Uh, and we're going to be talking a lot, uh, I think, about faith and belief, uh, obedience, and how all that looks uh, in our lives. Um, Charles Spurgeon um, had a quote that I really liked uh, in talking about faith. He says, Faith is not a blind thing, for faith begins with knowledge. It is not a speculative thing, for faith believes facts of which it is sure. It is not an, an impractical, dreamy thing, for faith trusts and stakes its destiny upon the truth of revelation. Faith is the eye which looks, the hand which grasps, the mouth which feeds upon Christ. Uh, I, think, I think that's beautiful. Uh, just a beautiful description of what faith is. We're, we're not taking a blind leap, are we? Faith is not about taking a blind leap. Uh, our, our faith is based in something, and I, I think it's based in the gospel message. It's based in the foundation of the resurrection, uh, the power of God, uh, revealing his, Himself through His Son uh, to us. Uh, so we walk in faith, and that's how we receive God's righteousness, uh, by the faith that's demonstrated in our lives. Uh, any, any thoughts or questions, guys? About all that? Okay. 
We're all good? <laughs> I got one. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, the Greeks was kind of said the non-Greeks and the Greeks. The Greeks were kind of everybody else. I think when they talked about the Greeks, it's just another way of saying Gentiles. Well, Romans would just be a part of that group. I think it was it was a more generic group than just the people who lived in Greece. So yeah, yeah. What translation is that? Oh, okay. Okay, the new NIV. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's that's it right there. It's everybody else. You know, you we usually get the Jews, and then we have everybody else, and we're kind of in the everybody else category ourselves. So. Like saying the West, right? Yeah. We're not the West. No. Europe is the West. Right. It's being in the West. West. Yeah, yeah. It's just the way you refer to people. So, Cindy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's interesting in the book of Acts, in Acts 28, uh, where it stops. <laughs> uh, we basically just have Paul entering Rome. Uh, we know that he was he was uh, in a house for a while preaching and pro- proclaiming the gospel, but that's just a little bit of a story, I think, of Paul in Rome. Uh, there's a great movie out recently that I thought kind of went deeper into that. Of course, it... Uh, was not from scripture, but I, you know, you know, Paul was very active when he was Rome. He was there for a number of years until he was martyred uh, by Nero, and uh, so uh, he he got to do. God allowed him to do what he wanted to do, and that is to reach Rome. Yes, I, I love what you just said. I yeah, think that's that was one of the big things that got my heart in the Book of Acts. Yeah, I realized that there is a massive, massive theme to the Book of Acts, mm-hmm. and it really is. Yeah, yeah. Rome is a big deal. Right, right. Yeah, it was the center of the empire, and uh, uh, it had it had arrived when Paul reached Rome, I think. And uh, of course, from there, it was able to go out. Yeah, John. always his plan too John I mean it's just it just blows you away when you think about it uh, and he he was willing to do whatever it took uh, and uh, so it, it it's just an amazing thought that God would be willing to do that for us yeah Corey yeah uh oh I'm in trouble Oh yeah, well, you know in that, you know in that verse, in that verse, you're probably right. I, 
uh, I wasn't thinking about that verse, but yeah, it's, it says both the Greeks and non-Greeks, but that still covers everybody, right? Paul is saying, I, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to anybody who listen. Yeah, but I, I don't... Yeah, not in this verse or not. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm not. You know, I, I think the point is he he was interested in preaching to everyone who would listen. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. So it was more like saying, I'm, I'm called to preach the gospel to the educated and the non Yeah. You know, and that's, ex- that's exactly right because he follows that up both to the wise and the foolish. Uh, so, yeah, I think you nailed it there, Angela. I really do. Yeah. So that's great. Uh, hey, next week, uh, the title of our lesson, lesson is going to be Desperately in Need of Grace. This is going to be a tough week, uh, but an important week, because Paul wants us to understand that this righteousness is from God. 